Good morning, DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. Does it feel like summer's half over, PK? Uh, I always go to the MLB All-Star Game. Oh, yeah? I know for a lot next of people, week. For a lot of people, they're tied to the school calendar. And so we're about midway between school ending and school starting. It depends because districts are off by a week or two. Oh, yeah. In a couple of weeks, my wife will start to get uh, more ornery. Because <laughs> school's on the horizon. Yeah. <laughs> and the worst month of the year is the month before she goes back to school. Well, and then there's you know a couple of weeks, two, three weeks. It's basically until we get into September. So as you progress along July, uh, you start to, oh man, here it comes. And then you start seeing back to school ads and all mm-hmm. that stuff. And that drives you nuts. And then you got to go back, and you're not ready to go back, and you've been enjoying the last two months of free time, doing whatever you want. And then you got to get back in, and then you got boring bleep faculty meetings. (laughs) 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 And you've heard it a million times over, and blah, blah, blah. And so then you get in the drudgery, uh, and then you just kind of count the days till Labor Day. And then after you get past Labor Day, then you're in the groove. I've always struggled with the school schedule here. And I'm done scheduling. I'm done struggling with it because now the the youngest has graduated from high school. So uh, our lives aren't aren't paired to that thing. But my dad was a teacher. And obviously me and my brothers were going through school. So school ended mid-June and we didn't go back until after Labor Day. And going back in August just seems so early. You know this high school football on August 13th? August 13, PK. Well, here they do it for weather. The 13th. And so you can get done. That's Friday the 13th, or is that a Thursday? No, it's Friday. Oh. Yeah, yeah, I'm excited for that, though. That That's that's always good news. Get some games that count. High school. Probably watch it. On television, you guys make a big deal of it. Seems like a big deal. Uh, the kids are all excited about it. And this year... Uh, well, Utah was really good about last year, getting in full seasons. It was awesome. Is Corner Canyon going to be good again? I don't know. I assume so. Yeah. You know, you're I can get, get the scouting scout, report Get if your you scout want. to get the scouting report. Let's go. I don't know. Uh, I mean, they got a 50-some uh, winning game, winning streak. So I assume they'd be good. Five weeks to go. Is that what it is? Yeah. yeah. I mean, I'm excited for Pac-12 Media Day uh, coming up in a little over two weeks. That's when I really get going uh, on that. But I'm wondering, you know, what will happen as far as media access. I I don't know that they're going to do anything. Are they just going to do what they've been doing and just having the stuff in the morning uh, for them and BYU later on in the day? The Zoom availability at 8 a.m. was not the worst thing that ever happened to our show. (laughs) No, it's, I'm not it's a big fun. fan of the practices being closed and all the Zoom stuff because it's fun to go up there and actually see stuff and have a chance to talk to people. But as far as carrying it live for our listeners, yeah, I watch social media. We didn't get a lot of complaints. The listeners like that. Yeah, that, that would be great if uh, that's what the U of U did. BYU didn't do that. They did it later. Uh, a lot of schools have gone to morning stuff now as far as practices. I know in Impact 12, uh, several schools have done that. And so if that's what you think is best for your program, so be it. But I don't know what they're going to do media-wise. Uh, I'm At this point in my life, I don't sweat it either way. 
If they want us to have it go up there, I'll go up there, check it out, hang out, see what's going on. Uh, if they don't, then they just want to do it Zoom and they talk about the practices, uh, I'm fine with that too. It, do, it doesn't really matter. And the way I look at it, then the season starts and we watch the games. The games are what it's about anyway. Yeah. So that's really all that matters. You know, Once we we'll, get to the games, then yeah, it's on. Yeah. Well, and at that point, their practices were largely closed anyway. Yeah, and it used yeah. to not be that way. I like it in August, having to be open, get a feel for some of the new kids. Uh, but once the season starts, then the games come once a week, and then you get to see them anyway. So yeah. it doesn't really – whether you see, and then in the season, if you saw practice, which I used to do, I'm old enough to where we used to practice to be open, you couldn't report on anything you saw anyway because they didn't want you to. No, but you saw, and so far our discussions, we were more informed. You know, well, yeah, how's, it, they're, how's they're, the game going to go and how are people going to perform? Yeah, like, I got confidence in this O-line, you know, or I got confidence in this secondary or, you know, you couldn't be out there saying, hey, I saw the sweetest trick play. No, and I'm a that. trustworthy dude. And so and I've been around long enough, guys, trust me. So I, I can recall I, I told you that story of the Oregon thing where the coach stopped me in my tracks and says, we got this. Yeah. And I came and I said that. I yes. said it before. Yeah. And then what, they rolled up 60? Yeah, it was like 62 or something. Yeah. yeah. Had the crazy and, uh, punt trick play. And so if they just do Zoom on that, I probably won't get that. Yeah. But if that's what they want to do, so be it. DJ and PK coming up next. Corbin Kafusi, Tim View High, BYU. Now trying to catch on with the liners, with the Niners and moving to the other side of the line, which I turned into liners. Uh, offensive lineman Corbin Kafusi next with PK and I on 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. The playoffs may be over for the Utah Jazz, but the season never ends on the Zone Sports Network. From the NBA draft to free agency and on to the summer league, the Zone will be with the Jazz every step of the way as the Jazz front office builds for the future. Your exclusive home of Utah Jazz basketball is right here on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. It's time to welcome in Corbin Kafusi, offensive lineman for the San Francisco 49ers, a former BYU Cougar. Corbin, good morning. How you doing? Doing well. Corbin, you may not know this, but you are joining us. On the Smart Rain guest line, it's no secret that Utah is in an extreme drought currently. That's why Smart Rain is a solution for any commercial property. Concerned about water consumption while managing irrigation? Find out more at smartrain.net. I am curious uh, what a long, strange trip you have found professional sports. <laughs> it, it has been a long, strange trip. So now you're with the Niners, and we remember you as on the defensive side, and now you are on the offensive side trying to make it as an offensive lineman. What have you had to have done as far as technique to your body, all that stuff, the difference between being on one side of the ball and now being on the other? Oh, you know, it's been a complete overhaul, to be honest. You know, body-wise, you know, I came in when I first came into – NFL as a defensive lineman, I was probably 270, 275, and now I'm around 330. I've been up to 350 before, so that was an overhaul. Technique is completely different. You know, offense is just a whole different side of the game, and so learning that has been, you know, it's it's been hard, but it's been really good. 
So how did this how did this happen? It seems like pretty late in your career to have what seems to me a radical change. You know, maybe maybe it's not. Maybe I'm just up in the night. How did this all play out for you? Yeah. So um, I was actually recruited to BYU to play offensive line, and so my first spring ball at BYU before I went on my my uh, service mission, I did as an offensive lineman because that's where my dad always wanted me to play. He's like, oh, it's better longevity and stuff, and so. It was never something that came out of the blue totally, but you know I ended up playing D line, and then when I got it, after I got waived by the Saints, I was just working out, and my uh, my agent was like, you know, some teams would love to see you at offensive tackle, and I was like, oh okay, you know, I had never really thought about going back to it, but I kind of shrugged it off, and then after a little bit, I was like, you know, I'll whatever it takes to play, you know, I just love the game, so. Whatever it takes. So the average American male, I think, is like 5'9". So nobody can relate, or most folks cannot relate, to someone who is like you, 6'9". 275 is enormous, just for guys like us. And then they ask you to put on basically 50 to 75 pounds. It just seems so outrageous. What does a person need to do who already weighs 275 to put on that extra weight in order to play that? How do you go about that? Yeah, to be honest, it's just you have to have discipline in your eating. And you think it's almost the opposite where it's like, oh, you don't have to have discipline at all because you're just going to eat everything. But (laughs) it takes a very strict schedule of eating to get to gain weight the way you want to so i've heard people who've had to do that and then thurl bailey uh burned calories at a stunning amount and he always said they were always on him to eat to keep his weight up you know playing basketball he just burned through so many calories and his natural metabolism did it he said it became a chore it wasn't enjoyable it wasn't something he looked forward to it was it was kind of work in a way is that how you find eating now do you do you enjoy it or is this like this is like going to work oh well it's now like my body's kind of used to it so i don't have to like continue to keep crazy amounts of calories but yeah when your metabolism isn't quite there yet and it's still just burning everything you know when you're at a lighter weight oh eating becomes the hardest thing in the world yeah and i remember luckily i had some experience with this when i went from basketball to football at BYU because I gained 40 pounds within that window. And, you know, I would always take these meals to classes and everyone would be like, wow, he's eating these nice meals during class. And I'm like (laughs) sitting there almost like tearing up because this is the fifth time I've eaten the exact same food and it just has no taste to me at all. And it's just, you don't want to eat it, but you have to. So it's definitely a chore and it's work. So why the Niners? Uh, you know, the Niners, I'm, I just like, one, their offense. They have a great offense. I love Kyle Shanahan and everything he's done there. And just, I think it kind of fits my skill set. You know, they love to run off the ball. Their their tackles are offensive line and just great athletes. And so I thought it would be a great fit for me. So why do people see you as an offensive lineman, whether it was your dad or whether it's these NFL teams, is it is it partly your size and your wingspan? Would you be avail- Would you be able just to push that rusher around the edge and send him looping twenty yards behind the quarterback? Yeah, to be honest, it's definitely that. It's the the physical traits. Where it's, I have these these long arms, you know, and 
you know, from playing basketball and stuff, the footwork's there as well. And so it's just being able to put those all together is what you kind of look for in offensive linemen. And I, I won't lie, when I was a defensive lineman, I didn't give credit to the offensive line because, you know, you're just trying to beat them. But being on the other side, I'm like, these guys are freaky athletes. You know, to be the size that they are and to do what you have to do as an offensive lineman, like you're the only two people on the field that work backwards are offensive linemen and defensive backs. And it takes an extreme amount of athleticism. And so, yeah, I, I was just grateful that I found a position that really you know, complements the, the natural gifts and talents I've been given. So last summer we had the COVID thing, and it's still around, but last summer obviously was at the height. What's different as far as training and all that stuff and what you're going to expect when you get to camp as far as last year versus this year? I think already it's already been – huge difference i was able to go out to san francisco and we had basically a full otas out there you know some teams were didn't meet up some did a few weeks whereas like i was out in san francisco for 10 weeks and it was great to be with the guys on the team we had almost the entire team out there and so working with them getting to know guys getting to actually walk through play like it already feels way better than it did last year feels way more normal and so going into training camp I'm just excited because you know it's going to have that normal feeling again and we're going to get preseason games so I'm excited so what is the number one thing you have to do to make the roster to get on in the field what what are they pushing yet I think you know there there's definitely a lot of different things they're probably going to be looking for but I think for me it's it's going to be looking natural as I play. You know, when you're making a transition between positions, there's always that learning curve. And, you know, you look at guys and you're like, okay, like he's still learning the position. And for me, I want to go in there and have, have them not even think that I switched positions. You know, I just want it to look natural. Be like, oh, this guy can play. Like this guy plays offensive line. Instead of it being, uh, oh, like, you know, he needs to keep developing. So that's my goal. So you mentioned your father, Steve. Now everybody knows, or most people know, that he's a longtime coach at BYU, and then I think that before that at Utah. Uh, he stepped away a couple years ago. How's he spending his time these days? You know, he's good. He's uh, just finding other things to do, whether it be business, and he, he still does a little bit of training on the side for for uh, young kids or anyone that wants it. So that's all. it's kind of fun to see him get his, his fix in, his football fix. And so, yeah, he's just kind of keeping himself busy in those ways. You know, the name Kafusi for uh, generations of fans, both Utes and Cougars, it has resonated. Are there more Kafusis on the way? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Like, I've got, of course, tons of cousins and whatnot. And then... Like even my my brother's kids, my my little sister just had a baby boy. That's the the further down the road generation. So yeah, there's definitely there's always going to be Kafusis yeah. coming in. <laughs> That's for sure. So your one brother Devin went to BYU and now he's at Utah. And you guys played. You and your brother played at BYU. So September 11th is the game. Where are your loyalties going to be? <laughs> you know, family first, of course. So, you know, I, I love BYU and I had a great opportunity there, but definitely going to have to support Dev. And so it's, it's almost like, yes, it's hard, but it's also a win-win where it's like, oh, okay, like 
I'm I'm glad when each team does well because I have different reasons for them. And um, you know, we were so excited with Devin Chancellor because we knew that was going to be the best thing for him. So I'm excited to see how he does. I always figure with Kafusis, there's both red and blue in the co- closet. It's just like shape shifting or something. And you, you know, the, the Kafusis, they they are just comfortable. You, you'd make great spies. <laughs> no, it's true. I won't lie though. Growing up, we had some awkward family reunions. <laughs> half of us were blue, and half of our family were red, and just a lot of tension in the room. <laughs> yeah, it's sort of like the Coveys now with uh, with Britain playing for uh, Utah. They have those BYU ties, but they have a, a they literally have blood on the Utah team. So I think you got to go in that direction, at least for the short term, anyway, right? Oh, absolutely, and it's so funny because. Britain's older brother was one of my best friends growing up, and I watched BYU games at his house every single week. And so, like to see them in red, I'm like, okay, like, <laughs> you know, that's that's what it takes. If the family's there, you got to stick with your family. Yeah, I agree. So you got you got Britain stories. Uh, we've we've heard a bunch of them. He's told some on himself. He's hilarious in interviews. You got Britain stories <laughs> as him as a little ten year old running around the house or something. Oh my gosh, Britty was the he's like the entertainer of his family, and so like he's the one. Oh my gosh, like literally everything we do, we'd always make Brady do because he wanted to. So like we'd have him go into restaurants and just do these crazy dumb things and he had no fear doing it. Like, you know, he had no he had no problem going in and just looking super awkward or super weird. And that's what we loved about it was like he just had no fear in doing these things for a good laugh. So we, we touched on the Kafusi name. You know, it's a household name in football in the state of Utah, obviously. And it's been that way for a number of years. And then when you factor in your uh, your dad's uh, brothers and their, as you say, their cousins, and the name isn't going to be dying out anytime soon. And so then we have that the situation here where we saw that college players can make money off of whether it be their name, likeness, and image, and they're calling it and all that stuff. Uh, so the, my, my thought for you is that you guys are such big names in the state and another Kafusi's rolling off the assembly line. They have already got the name built in into the community. Do you think that, and your time has passed, so it won't be for you, but going forward, do you think that people, your cousins, whoever that might be, or nieces and nephews down the line, you think that that can maybe help them with name identity to maybe make some extra money there off the name of Kafusi since it's such a big name in our community? Yeah, absolutely. Like, I'm so glad that they finally passed that with, you know, NIL stuff because, the the window, you know, to capitalize on these things sometimes is big, sometimes it's small, but if there is a window, it's, you, you got to capitalize on it. And so I'm excited for my cousins and anyone else that can to capitalize because I think there's just such an opportunity there. And I think it's definitely there for them to take where, you know, when I, like you said, it, my time came and passed, but it would have been nice to have that as an option to you know whether to help myself or the future to even help my family even more it just opens up a lot more doors and i think there's a lot more opportunity 
So as long as we're talking uh, image and likeness, we got the name down, the Kafusi name, very recognizable. But I got to admit, as I look at a bunch of photos here on my computer, I might have picked you out as a saint. You got the beard going at this point. You're not the clean-shaven guy we saw at BYU. But the jet shot with the hair down the shoulders, you totally – I would have walked, walked by you and I wouldn't have known. So what, yeah. what's the Niner look? What are you going for? Oh, well, it's funny you ask because – you know, I as soon as I finished that, even yeah, as soon as I finished that BYU, I hadn't cut my hair since. What? And then yeah, and then once my <laughs> the whole I was allowed to grow a beard. I was like, you know, I can grow a beard. I, I got a pretty decent amount of like my beard grows in pretty thick, and so I grew out a beard. And I, and, you know, switching the offensive line, I kind of wanted that rugged, almost Viking look, <laughs> and so I had hair down past my shoulders, big old beard, and just. Actually, last week, I decided, you know what, I'm going to change it up. It's about time for me to clean up the look. And so I cut off all my hair and shaved my beard down. Like, so now it's just scruff. But, yeah, now the, the Niner look is, is definitely like a clean-cut business look. So you're going to stay with that or are you going to let it grow again? You know, I think for now I'm going to stick with it. And, you know, I might, I might let it grow again, but who knows. But for now, I'm like... Ooh, I'm, I kind of have this feeling where it's all, it's all business right now. There is Corbin Kafusi, the former BYU Cougar, former Timpview Thunderbird, and then the Cougar, and now bouncing around the NFL trying to find his home, practice squads with the Saints and the Jets, and now we'll see if he catches on with the Niners. 28 years old, PK. That's pretty far down the road to be switching positions. But the physical gifts, they catch everybody's eye. Man, this 6'9 guy. Well, yeah, with the Kafusi size alone. If he just gets the leverage to push this guy out wide, we're golden. Yeah. Now, run blocking, getting lower, getting underneath the other guy's pads, that'll be a little bit of a challenge. Uh, nobody runs the ball anymore anyway. <laughs> they actually run it a little <laughs> bit in San Francisco. With who? You like Mostert? Yuck. Are you listening to our show or somebody else's? Ours? <laughs> you like Mostert? Yeah. He's a good back. Are you Mostert? Yeah. Nah. He's just another guy. It's still quarterbacks. <laughs> still quarterbacks. You run the ball off the passing game. Yeah. I mean, you, if you can't throw it, you can't win. It, that's the NFL today, for right. sure. Yeah. You got to be able to throw it. Yeah. And you want some running game there. You need to be able to convert your third and ones and third and twos and touchdowns, not field goals in the red zone, and all that stuff. I mean, outside of the Titans, we ask so little of the running game. Right. He's a throwback. Anymore. And Cowboys run the ball well. Uh, but. Not, yeah, but not that much better. They did for a while. That much better than what? The rest of the league. I don't. I don't think that. Uh, I don't think Ezekiel Elliott is fifteen hundred yard back anymore. Really blow your doors off the way like Henry just carries the ball and carries the. You just need to be able to pick up yards when you need to be able to pick them up. Yes. Keep them off balance, keep them honest, yeah, that, and convert that, the short yardage situation. That's really all it is now. So, uh, I mean, if you're an excellent pass blocker, you have a shot. And that really, we're just asking you to do something for five or six seconds, and you're good to go. Then take a break and do it again. And that's it. Can he do it? I don't know. It's worth a flyer. Oh, just his size alone, yeah. Yeah. It's worth I'm, a shot. I'm just amazed that you go from 275 to 350. Oh. Eating is work. I've never been at that point in my life, but I've never tried to put on 70 pounds of muscle either. So 
So what what did you you've been about 250, 255? Never been to 250. <laughs> Might get there one day. Hoping not to. Now you made I remember years ago you made a statement. You said I will weigh one point in my life two hundred pounds. Are you still standing by that? Oh, that I'm gonna get back down to two hundred. No, me. Oh, you. Yeah. That I will weigh two hundred uh, pounds. Yeah, I'll stick with it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> but you seem to have a pretty good and, and maybe it's one of those things where you can't by just merely observing something, you change it. What do you mean? You're very good if you're thrown a challenge. You like to be challenged. It's the jersey in you. And so if I throw out a challenge, your weight's going to balloon to 200. That is going to get you to put down that slice of pizza at 185. You're like, I don't even want to risk 190 because then 200's in sight. And you're competitive. You like to turn on games because there's competition. What game, what sport? I'm not really sure. But if it's really good competition, I'm in for it. Correct. And you always knew who those people were at conference basketball tournaments. And you probably still do, but I haven't been the one who's been going to them for a decade now. Uh, because those are the people, there were some people who would get up or they'd, they'd stay out late, so they'd get up late. Or they'd go play golf or they, they'd just find something to do. And then there were always a handful of the media that were over at the women's uh, semifinals and championship game. You knew people, relationships matter, and then there's competition and there's a good prize. You're going to the NCAA tournament. And I would go over and watch the Gaucho women. When I was in Santa Barbara, they had a coach. They were really pretty good. They haven't been very good lately. But they were really pretty good. So they were in the mix. And you've talked about that going down to the WAC and Mountain West tournaments. And the Utes and Cougars were pretty good. And so usually somebody was in the mix. And you knew it's just like football now. You know coaches at both schools. You chat them up. You know some of the stuff they've been through. In the case of that era, it was how they'd struggled to get along with Rick Majerus and share a building. No, he's <laughs> Elaine Elliott had stories. Obviously, Jeff Judkins had stories. So you had the ties, and it's like, well, they get into the NCAA tournament if they win this. I can go over and watch this for two hours. I'm in. Yeah, And it's the same thing with this. That appeal to competition is why you will... You know, at one you hit one eighty five, you're going to start drawing the line. Nope, I'm not having dessert. Nope, I'm cutting down on the portion size. I do try to never get above one eighty five. Yeah, and you've got all kinds of little rules that may seem idiosyncratic to you, but when you throw them up against what people who really work at it do, it's like, well, that falls in line. You go out, you go to Cafe Rio, and you either split the entree. I know this. You either split it with your wife or you eat half, you bring half home, and it goes into the fridge. Put it in the Tupperware, wrap it in the aluminum foil, whatever. Heat it up. That's lunch tomorrow. Yes. I like that burrito. Yes. So I'll stretch it out over two days. Yes. Cut the calories in half. Pace yourself. So. Or if I eat it, the whole thing, I, don't, I hardly eat anything that day. So try to set it up. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. But more likely what you say. But if I go and oh, portion portion control matters. Oh, big time. Yeah. yeah it's especially way, as you get older. As much as the workout's great and you go run and all that, like the amount of time it takes to burn 200, 300 calories versus simply not consuming. Oh, you're not going to do it at the calories. gym. Yeah. yeah if you just if you just did workouts, it won't that get be enough. No, it wouldn't be you wouldn't meet your goals and what your desire. The bigger are. question is can I get back down to 200? 
Oh, I, there's no doubt in my mind. That's the bigger question. I don't know what you weigh, but there's if you wanted to and made a full-time commitment to it, no then doubt in my mind. Yeah. All right, DJ and PK, coming up next, it's game two. It's the Suns. It's the Bucks. Is poor Lopez going to be the victim? The Suns just going to go at him? Does it matter? Is Giannis capable of a massive game? We'll get to that next. Stay with us. The playoffs may be over for the Utah Jazz, but the season never ends on the Zone Sports Network. From the NBA draft to free agency and on to the summer league, the Zone will be with the Jazz every step of the way as the Jazz front office builds for the future. Your exclusive home of Utah Jazz basketball is right here on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and the Zone Sports Network. Good morning, it's DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. Let's see a show of hands. Who's ready for Game 2 of the NBA Finals? I'm into it, I am. Tonight? Yeah, definitely. Have you uh, gotten any screenshots from your sister reminding you what time the game tips off and what the final score in Game 1 was? I didn't get that yet because the game hasn't uh, happened, obviously. But I can share... Uh, something with you if you're interested. Absolutely. If you weren't with us yesterday, PK was telling us that his, both his sisters who were down there in the Valley of the Sun, one of them sent him the final score of the game as if we don't have television in Utah and we weren't watching it and we didn't know. I did get this. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Keep calm and go, sons. Yeah. You don't want to keep that calm, do you? You're in the moment. You want to get revved up. You want to get excited. <laughs> that was the fun of it when the Jazz are in the middle of it. You don't want to stay too calm. These are good times. You can be yeah, calm in the lottery years. Keep calm. We got this type of deal. Don't be have uh, anxiety over it, I think, is the deal. Is that the more along the lines of this is ours. This is going to happen. No need to fear type of thing. You know, because as I've said many times, this community that I live in now reminds me of the community that I lived in then in terms of their passion for their NBA team. And it's something that you've wanted, 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 and have had many very good teams along the way. And either you got to the final or you had some devastating, disappointing losses that uh, prevented you, like this year, uh, there was a couple of times when John McLeod was coaching the Suns and they lost to teams they had no business losing to. Or I remember one time, the Seattle, in a year I think the Seattle won it, they were up uh, 3-2, and it was Mother's Day, and Paul Westfall's mother sang the national anthem, and it was at the Veterans Memorial Coliseum, just uh, on the other, a few miles away from downtown, on the outskirts of downtown, basically, and uh, thinking everything was right. And Seattle took game six, and then they had to go up to Seattle, and they lost game seven, and it was just brutally disappointing. And we have been there in this community, so I would imagine that the feeling is, wow, are you kidding me, that they're actually going to do it? So I think it's one of anxiety, not in terms of going ahead and celebrating wildly, because it's right there. It's so close now. Can this possibly be true? (laughs) Out of the middle of nowhere. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I, and I, I think that when it comes to that, and I think it will come at some point in this community. I don't know when. I think you'll feel the same way. You know, when you got to the final, well, you had Jordan, who never lost in the final, 
And even though you thought you may have had a chance, uh, you know, you didn't. Even though the games were closed, the series was closed. But Jordan wasn't going to lose. He literally never lost. Now here, the Suns, nothing against these guys on the other side, but there's no Jordan there. I'm not even sure Antetokounmpo is better than Pippen. Yeah, and the the I don't know if dynasty is the right word we use that. Man, if teams just win twice, we give them the dynasty. But when there's some some super team, whether it's you know adding Durant to the Warriors championship roster, or LeBron building a team down in Miami, there's nothing obvious like that in their way. You know, there's no dominant Jordan, Shaq, and Kobe on their way to three in a row. There's none of that. You're like, man, you have got to you have got to cross the highest hurdle to win this thing. Oh, yeah, precisely. So I think that they are in a position that it's almost too good to be true. (laughs) And I think that's where the fan base is. Something's going to go wrong. Well, if something is going to go wrong, what is it? I don't think it is, but I'm saying... I know. Because I don't have that fan, true, hardcore fan mentality that we know fans have. The gamblers don't think something's going to go wrong. Phoenix was the favorite in game one. They're the favorite in the series. And the expectation is they will do it. If something goes wrong, it's usually the star player going off. So Giannis, I mean, there's nothing wrong with 20 points and 17 boards, but he is capable of going for 40 and energizing everybody around him and making the game easier for everybody else because suddenly the whole team's, you know, the whole Suns team's trying to figure out how to slow down Giannis. It'd be interesting if he can do that because I don't know that he can do that against Phoenix. Why not against Phoenix? They got a better rim protector and Aiton in the middle. Uh, harder to do the more you advance in the playoffs. Pressure, intensity, uh-huh. all those types of things. Uh, I don't really trust his outside shot. <laughs> the, the Suns don't either. They're like, why don't you have that? They're playing two steps off him, and he reluctantly launched a three late in the game and missed it. Yeah. So, I don't know that it's a terrible shot, and it's not that he can't get on a roll, but you got to pick your poison, and that's the one. It's like, well, if he can beat us doing that, then so be it. And he might. It's not impossible. Well, But you I don't think, dare let yeah. him get in the rim because he's absolutely – or get in the paint because he's going to get to the rim and finish. I think it's more about the Suns. If the Suns are doing what they're capable of doing, the Bucks will not win. Now, the Bucks have to play well and then defend well to where Phoenix isn't on the top of their game. But if they get their games that they got in Game 1 out of Booker, Paul, and Aiton, they're going to win. Can they get those games? If they get those games three more times, they will win. Can, can they get them? Will they find ways to win? If they don't get them, those are the questions that need to be answered. Statistically, the difference was the free throw line. Now, some of that is Giannis is not a good free throw shooter, so he's going to miss some and the crowd's going to be counting to 10. And, you know, does that get in his head? Would he miss him anyway? The Suns probably can't shoot him as well as they did in game one. 25 out of 26 is extraordinary. But getting to shoot twice as many free throws, for a while there, they were tripling at the line. Uh, You pointed it out yesterday, man. Booker was... Booker had at least eight free throws in the first half. That was very surprising to me. Yeah. And that was a real difference in the game. The number of two-point field goals, number of three-point field goals, you know, they flashed the stats as the game progressed, and they were remarkably even. But the Suns were crushing at the free throw line. Now, some of this, it's how you play. And the Suns, you get you get eight and around the rim, and you get Chris Paul in the mid-range game, and the more shots you take close to the hoop, the more likely you are to go to the free throw line. 
Well, I thought that Booker knew didn't think necessarily that his outside shot was falling, and he's 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 not very stocky, but he's six five ish, so he was purposely taking it to the rim, looking for contact, and then when he got the contact, put the ball up while you're in the air, so they force you to call. Yeah. Uh, you force them to call a foul, and you're sitting there, standing there at the free throw line, getting two easy points. Analytics so. means a lot of things to a lot of people, but and if there's one thing analytics has been clear on, the free throw line is a very efficient way to score. If you can get to the hoop and you can get to the free throw line, do it. It's very efficient. You know, you're going to have some three-point plays along the way. You're going to get some of those shots to fall. And if you go to the free throw line and he's a good free throw shooter, you're good to go. There's nothing wrong with that. Right. Absolutely. It's great. It's a great way uh, to get you going offensively, individually, and then as a team. Because I thought that the Suns came out a little tight at the start, and the Bucks were a little looser. And then Booker started going to the line, and For that got How long did momentum. you sense that? Yeah, probably about the first five minutes. Oh, okay. All right. I thought, oh, this might be. Uh, yeah, they a traded bit of hoops early on. I didn't think anything of it. I thought, yeah, I thought it was, it was like seven to two. Yeah, I mean it's nothing, but right. I just I felt like the Suns were a little tight, right? Because I think there's more pressure on them, particularly in You're game the one. Home They're team. at home it's team. It's game yeah. one. You had the better yeah. regular season record. Right. You almost had the best record in the league. Not quite, but almost. So yeah, there was more on them. They're the favorite, but it was it was twelve to ten. So the the ship was righted pretty quickly. It was. I'm not, I'm talking the first few minutes, uh, and I think Booker set the tone by taking it to the basket and getting his rear end at the free throw line to get easy points. He's going to shoot minimum 80%. He's just that caliber of a player. So that really worked for him and them. And we'll see how that works and what adjustments the Bucks made. You know, they tried to go small. Uh, and then you saw the Suns match it a little bit. And, you know, what, what kind of games can these – guys have because I don't think each team neither team is particularly deep in terms of uh, a Terrence man scoring 33 39 points off the bench I'm not sure I see anybody being able to do that for either team so there's a lot of reliance on the main players and the cogs to make sure that they do what they're supposed to do so here's one of the main players who's interesting the Suns win at Lopez a lot you know, you're going to switch, and you can put him in a pick and roll, and you get him into mismatches. So, is he going to play less? I don't think it much matters. Because? Because no matter who's in there, they'll do the same thing. The Bucks can't defend the Suns. The Suns have too many options. They can pick on poor Lopez when he's in there, but if he's out, they'll pick on somebody else, and they're still going to get their 115 to 120 points. If they're making shots, obviously. Uh, so... Yeah, and I think that they've got more weapons. And that was based on what we saw at home. Role players play better at home. We know that. So for right now, for this game tonight, I think they have more weapons. Although I do think 2-0 is not the end, nor do I think 1-1, the advantage shifts dramatically to Milwaukee. I don't see that at all. Giannis... And then you got Middleton and Holiday. Can those three do it then? Especially if Lopez's minutes are limited. Well, I think mean, that they're going to have to because they just don't have a whole lot of depth that they could be counting on. So, yeah, I mean, those guys are going to have to play. They're going to have to do well, very well. 
maybe even a little bit above what they're capable of doing. I think Giannis did what he was capable of doing under the circumstances. Hadn't played in a while. I thought he was fine. Yeah. For what he was able to do. Do I think he can get better? For sure. Yeah. My guess is that he will get better. That's why I think this still has an opportunity to still be a very competitive series. So I'm not looking at one versus the other having a major advantage. Certainly when you go up 2-0, if that's the case, then obviously the advantage is in your court and what can you do to take advantage of it. Because that's what I think. Home court, to me, uh, just matters in terms of being able to close them out in five and then having game seven at home. That's really all that I look at home court. Because home court can backfire on you just as easily as it can help you. Because if you lose one of the first two games, somehow all the momentum shifts to that team, which I think is somewhat of a misnomer. I think that in this particular series, if they go back to Milwaukee 1-1, that's exactly what it is. It's even. I don't see one team having an advantage over the other. I don't worry so much about the close it out in five. I'm thinking more of that earlier in the playoffs when you want to get done. Oh, yeah. I'm not talking about this off. series. I'm talking generally. Yeah. Have a little time off and get to the next series. Right. And here, in the finals, is just win it when you win it. No, I'm not talking about this particular series. I'm saying when I see home court... Yes. That's the way I... What does home court actually mean tangibly? And I think those are two things that it can... Home court can make a difference. And obviously, closing it out, you'll close it out whenever you close it out, and then you've got months off, so it doesn't matter. I'm just talking generally here. I don't know that home court is going to make a whole lot of difference with these two teams. These two teams... I still think they're to a degree evenly matched, although I although I do give the edge to the Suns. Because of the eyeball test or because they did better in the regular season playing in the tougher conference and they won more games and just, so I think they're a little deeper. They're the tougher road. And I think they have with Aiton playing at the level that he's been playing, they have more high end weapons. Now, he hasn't been playing like that until recently. This is not who he's been, but he's only a third-year guy in the league. He's still a young guy, and third year is a year a lot of guys make the leap. He's 22 years old. So he's making the leap in his third year. And towards the end. Yeah. So if he continues, I mean, he was great. He's putting up huge numbers. He's a major factor. There's no complaints. There were complaints earlier, but there's no complaints now. There's a lot of times that he was just a stand-around guy, and they used to chart, I'd heard... They wanted him to dunk the ball because in order to dunk the ball, you have to exert some form of aggressiveness. And so they were charting his dunks because it was a sign that he was being active and moving and doing things instead of just taking up space. And so we've seen that out of him, that he's showing more emotion. Those And Chris Paul, whatever these the reason, whatever the reason is, but Aiton is coming of age. And from the Phoenix perspective, it's a really good thing to say see because he was, uh, as I said, I used to describe him as a rich man's Ulster tag. He wasn't as wildly inconsistent, but he had periods where he was just out there standing around, not doing a whole lot. You know, 9.6 boards. Your talent level dictates that you should be doing much better than that. And we've seen that in the postseason. He really has come around. And so with him playing the way he's been playing consistently, I – 
that's part of the reason. And I think the Suns have a couple more weapons that the Bucks don't have. And so those are the two reasons that I give them I give them a bit of an edge. And I, as you're telling me that that's what Vegas is saying too. Is what you said, right? Yeah. Yeah. Suns. Right. You got a point spread for game two? I hadn't looked it up yet. I never but, look at basketball. Yeah. I have no clue. I just went generally you said that the, the Oh yeah, the they're absolutely they were heavy favorites to win the series. And yeah. it, and it was a six point spread in game one. I assume it's Ballpark. Say it might be a little closer because I think in game one people were anticipating that Antetokounmpo wasn't going to play. So, right, right. And now we probably know we uh, were expecting now. him to do what he did and probably do it even better. And then even I think he'll progressively get better. Certainly as he gets his wind about him. And I think if the people are going to ignore that uh, graphic that your sister just sent you, stay calm. That that would be the reason to ignore it. Is that. Uh, Antetokounmpo is just a fraction of himself, and he'll be in a little better shape. He'll have more confidence in the knee, and he'll get hot and play a little better. Maybe he'll be a little more explosive. Mm-hmm. Yeah, all those. And so if he goes for you know, 35 or 40 instead of 20, not only do you get that extra production out of him, but presumably the defense is now focused on him. It makes the game easier for everybody else, and they get going. And you defend harder because you're revved up about the way it's getting. It's the whole momentum thing just starts to carry you. And maybe Phoenix gets a little tight in that situation. Conversely, maybe they play well, too, and they even build upon their momentum. So then they go back to Milwaukee up 2-0 with all sorts of confidence for Sunday. All these games are pivotal. No doubt about it. There aren't that many of them left. A lot riding on this. So... I'm definitely into this series. I don't think there's any question about that. And probably because of the Phoenix connection, maybe I'm into it a little bit more. But I I like having fresh faces there. Having something new. You know, I would have been fine no matter who's in there. But I I, I like having a team that has only won once, what, 40-some years ago? And a team who's never won it. 50. It was 1971 that they won it. They were there in 74. So it's been 47 years since they were there. But it's been 50 years on the button since Milwaukee won it. So they won it in 71? Yep. And the okay. Suns have never won it. Right. Oh, I know that. Never, ever. So it is something fresh. It is something new. And the way the teams were built, that's a way the Jazz or the Nuggets or the Blazers or the Indiana Pacers or whoever else, teams that have had pretty good stretches but haven't won it all, you can do this. So I think it is interesting watching this. Because you have a chance to replicate this. You don't have a chance to replicate signing Shaq. Sorry. <laughs> not going to happen. LeBron's not walking through that door for Sunset you. Sunset Shaq. What? Sunset Shaq. Yeah, not when it mattered. They did have him. You're right, but not when it mattered. Yeah, but I never doubted that. I believe if you do the right things and have a, a somewhat of, uh, of a good fortune, you can get it done. San Antonio already proved that a thousand times over. This is nothing new. Hit on those late draft picks, like we were talking about with Barry Trammell. Get good players and have good fortune of health and maybe have a bounce or two go your way. And I believe it can happen. It's, it may not happen consistently, and it'll be interesting to see when the Spurs get back, how long is it going to take? Because obviously they had a great, great run, but that's over. And in time here, probably sooner rather than later, they're going to have a new coach. And so, what are they going to do there? Interesting to see Start how again. long it's going to take. Yeah. 
Well, the Jazz are at... It could go 50 years. Yes. Easy. Because the Suns have had two finals appearance in 52 years? Yeah. That's not very good. (laughs) 76, 93, and now this year. And the Jazz are 23 years removed from their trip to the finals. And I was living in three different states in the Suns' finals appearances. It happens. <laughs> Life I'm goes over, on. I move around. <laughs> the the Suns record is actually the Padres record, believe it or not. The Padres started in the 1969 season. So the Suns started like six months earlier because the NBA season's a little earlier. And Padres have been to two World Series. Lost them both. Suns have been to two NBA Finals. Lost them both. Now the Suns break through. They're giving everybody hope. And if they don't, then Milwaukee is. Oh, I already had the hope, though. I believe if you do things the right way, the opportunity's there. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. Coming up next, what is trending? All the headlines. Stay with us.